Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I want to read a scripture from John chapter 4, and also uh, we're going to show you a little video clip after I do read that that I, I know it'll be an encouragement to you before we actually get into the Word. John chapter 4, verse uh, 3 to 10. We read that Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You know, I believe the greatest need in the church today is for us as the people of God to be absolutely convinced of who Jesus is. And not only convinced of who Jesus is, but to be confident of what it means as people of God to be anointed, of what it really means for us to carry the presence of Jesus Christ with us in our lives, wherever it is that we go. You know, through our relationship with the Lord, we need to see ourselves the way the Lord sees us. And do you realize that one of the ways the Lord sees us is He sees us as the answer today? He sees us as an answer. He sees you as the solution to somebody's problem. You ever thought of yourselves that way? As you go through your day, whoever you encounter, whoever you mingle with, whatever situations you encounter, the Lord says, I want to understand how I see you. You can be the solution to that person's dilemma today. Whatever it is they're carrying, whatever it is they're feeling. Now, we all know that we continue to hear of people's struggles. Uh, today, there's an increased struggle with fear. People are battling with anxiety. Uh, depression, of course, is on the rise. Isolation, loneliness, all those kind of things. Then, of course, there are people who've been experiencing the direct impact of the season we're in, people that have, have lost their jobs, businesses that have closed, and, of course, people have been more directly impacted by the, by the death of a loved one, the death of a friend. And they're also talking about now today about symbolic losses. Uh, for example, those who've experienced the cancellation of something important in their lives, maybe the cancellation of their last year of school or university, a cancellation of their, of their graduation, the cancellation of, of maybe even their, their wedding or their birthday celebration. And so as we saw in that video, the reality is there's not just a pandemic of COVID today, but many people are experiencing a pandemic of fear, a pandemic of hopelessness. Now, going back to our scripture here in John 4, we read about this encounter, this meeting between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. For those who aren't familiar with the geography of Israel, if you consider the nation of Israel, uh, Judea, where Jesus and the disciples were, is in the southern part. And he says, we're going to Galilee. We're going back home, which is up north. In between Judea and Samaria, in between the south and the north, rather, uh, of Galilee, is the region of Samaria. Now, a good Jew in that day did not pass through Samaria because Samaritans were considered to be unclean people. They were considered to be kind of mixed breeds. Uh, for those who are familiar with the history of Israel, you may remember that about 700 years before, the nation of Assyria had actually attacked and captured the 12 tribes of Israel to the north and led about two-thirds uh, two of them captive back to Assyria, leaving one-third. 
and to make sure that the Jewish people that were there did not, you know, grow, increase, and again be a problem for the Assyrians, they began to import all these other foreigners to fill that region up along with the Jews. Well, over the centuries, the Jewish people who were there intermarried with other foreigners, and they they began to come up with not just mixed relationships, but also a mixed religion. So no self-respecting Jew would ever give time to a Samaritan. They wouldn't pass through the region. They wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't have any contact with them. But John tells us when the woman came to draw water from the well, Jesus asked her for a drink. And her reply was simply this in verse 9. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus answers in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I love the boldness of Jesus. I love his understanding of who he is. Jesus understood that he was a gift from God. Jesus understood that he actually contained living water. He contained what this woman actually uh, needed, not just her felt need, but her actual spiritual condition. Essentially what Jesus was saying is if you only knew who I was, you would ask me for what it is you need most. You would ask me for something supernatural. You would ask me for something that is life-changing. And friends, I wonder for you and me, as we move through the course of our day, do we truly understand who we are? Do you understand as you move through your day that you are actually a gift of God. Do you realize that? Let me say that again. You are a gift from God. The person beside you is a gift from God. If you know Jesus Christ and he lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you contain within you everything that person needs that you encounter, whether it's wisdom, whether it's hope, whether it's healing, encouragement, a word from God, whatever it may be, the Lord looks at you and he says, as I send you into the day, you need to understand that you are hope for somebody. You are a gift from the Lord for somebody that you will meet today. And he sends us into the world to actually reveal his presence. Now we find that hard to grasp sometimes, but it's actually the truth. That when you stand before someone who needs a touch from God, You've got to begin to see yourself as the Lord sees you. You need to see yourself as a gift from heaven. Tell the person beside you, you're a gift from heaven, especially if it's your spouse, right? And before you say something smart, every good and perfect gift comes from above, okay? You are a gift from heaven. You are someone who can actually manifest heaven in whatever it is that person is going through, wherever they find themselves. Jesus said in John 20, As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. And how many believe that the Father sent Jesus as a gift into our world, right? That's what Christmas is all about, that unwrapping of the gift of the Father in the person of Jesus Christ, the salvation he brings, the peace he brings, the healing that he brings. That's what salvation really means, shalom. It's the peace of God that comes into wherever we may breathe and just brings us stability, brings healing, reconciliation, whatever it is that we need. Jesus says, just as the Father has sent me into this world as a gift, I am sending you. 
I'm not just sending you to evangelize, not just sending you to work for the kingdom. I am sending you as a gift to people that I want to reach. The Bible says in 1 John 4, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And I find it interesting that he doesn't just say, as Jesus was in this world, so are we. He's saying, as Jesus is today, so are we in this world. As Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, who has conquered sin and death, in authority, in anointing, in love, in reconciliation, as he is today, so are we in the world. Why is that? Because as Jesus is today, it's that same Jesus who lives in us who walks with us, who ministers through us. And friends, when you know who you are, when you know what it is that you contain, who Jesus really is, then John says you can actually begin to walk in the confidence of knowing that if there are people around you who are actually bound in one way or another by the shackles of the enemy, you are the only way they're going to be set free. Do you realize that? It's through you that that freedom is going to come as you allow the Lord to live through you. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure. That light and that presence and that love and that power actually shine through us. Now, as the story unfolds in John 4, we begin to see the results or the outcome of the Lord's obedience to the Holy Spirit as this event begins to play itself out. And what I find interesting when you read through uh, John chapter 4 is that you see in the Lord's interaction with the Samaritan woman, we see how these opportunities of ministry come about and how exactly it is that we can be an answer for somebody. We can be a solution for somebody. We can actually leave an encounter and that person feel enriched because we've actually spent some time with them. Look at verse 3. John writes, Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. And so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. He had to go through Samaria. One of the ways these ministry moments come about in our lives is simply through direction. It's through the Holy Spirit's leading. I find it interesting that John says we returned to Galilee, but now we had to go. Jesus had to go through Samaria. It's another way of saying, another translation says, it was necessary that Jesus go through Samaria. And he wasn't going through Samaria because on his way, he had to pick up something for his mother at Costco. It's not like, okay, guys, I know we're going to Galilee. We usually go around the extra 30 miles because we're not supposed to come in contact with those unclean Samaritans. John says we had to go through. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was simply prompting Jesus to go that way. Now, I don't believe there's any indication that Jesus knew exactly where it was he was going to go. I don't think he knew exactly who it was he was going to meet. He simply knew that he was to pass through Samaria on his way to Galilee rather than going around it. And so one of the key things to understand is that if we are going to experience those ministry moments, if we are going to, through the course of the week, actually be an answer to someone's problem, if we're going to be the solution to some situation people find themselves in, we have to be open to being led by the Holy Spirit. 
We have to be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and what it is that He wants to do in that moment. Now, let's be honest. It's not very often that you'll hear the Holy Spirit say to you, this Friday night, I want you to go to Champlain Mall. I want you to sit in the food court, and at 7 o'clock, a man with red hair and a plaid shirt is going to come by. I want you to talk to him about me. Okay? It doesn't usually happen that way. But what does happen most times is you, you're talking to somebody, you're in a situation, and you begin to feel something that's more than what you ordinarily feel, and you can kind of sense that God is prompting you. You ever feel that way? Now, if you're like me, you don't always know exactly what to do at that moment, right? Sometimes we have to wait and think, okay, Lord, is this you? Is this my feelings, whatever the case may be? We may not know what to do. But listen, friends, that's not a bad thing. I'm kind of glad that we don't always know exactly what to do at that moment because if we did, we would condition ourselves to do the same thing in every situation, right? You ever find yourself doing that? Maybe the Lord works in a certain way. You think, I got to remember that for next time. The Lord says, no, 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 don't remember that for next time. Just stay sensitive to what it is I'm speaking to you, how I'm leading you in that moment because every situation is going to be different. Even if it looks the same on the outside, only I know what's going on on the inside, so you need to stay open to how I'm leading you, how I'm prompting you. And so ministry happens and needs are met simply through being sensitive to what it is the Lord gives you to minister at that moment. And that may simply be a, a word of kindness, an act of kindness. It may be a word of encouragement. It may be a word of knowledge that God drops in your heart for that person. It may be simply the desire to pray for that person, to comfort them. It, it may be to give them something, to meet a need. It may be to pray for them and believe for a miracle, whatever it may be. But you see, the reason why this ministry took place in that moment as Jesus encounters this woman at the well is because Jesus was less concerned about getting from point A to point B than he was with listening to what the Lord was doing, what God was doing, and being available to him along the way. You see, most of us live pretty full lives. Even if it's not, even if it's not really, really hectic, we all have a tendency to kind of plan our day, right? I mean, most of us, right, we wake up in the morning, we kind of have an idea what our day is going to be like. We, we tend to fill our day, and if it's not full, we tend to make a list of other things we need to do during that day. And so, as we do that, it's not altogether a bad thing, but we need to recognize that through the course of that day, we also have the opportunity to touch a lot of people along the way and in different ways. But for that to happen, two things have to happen. Number one, we have to make ourselves available to God as He needs us. And number two, we need to determine to be responsive to the Holy Spirit as He leads us. Now, as we shared a couple weeks ago, we've all experienced those times when we felt prompted to do something, call someone, whatever the case may be, and we didn't listen. And then later on, we realized, oh, man, you know, we talked to that person after. We find out in some way that God had timed something, but we missed that because we didn't make ourselves available or we didn't follow through on the prompting. John makes a point to mention that when the woman meets Jesus at the well, that Jesus is actually by himself. He says in verse 8, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, that's not a bad thing, right? The disciples were hungry. Even Jesus was probably hungry. They went on to get some food. But here's how I kind of interpret what's going on here. As they're walking through Samaria, all they know is Jesus says we're going back to Galilee. And they're probably thinking in their mind, great, we're going to Galilee. We're leaving Judea, Judea going to Galilee. And once we get there, we're going to have meetings again. 
Once we get there, the Lord's going to do stuff. He's going to preach and he's going to heal the sick and all that kind of stuff. We can't wait to get there. But their rationale was just getting from here to there and then things will happen. But what Jesus understood is that along the way of going from here to there is that there were still people they were going to encounter. There was still potential ministry opportunities that were all around them. But because the disciples were simply preoccupied with getting there, and then when they're hungry, filling their stomachs, which is not a bad thing, they have a long walk, takes a lot of energy, they're just kind of doing what seems like the natural thing to do, still expecting something ahead for God to do. But in the meantime, we're just kind of taking care of business because of that they actually missed what would have been a very fulfilling experience if they had been there to encounter this woman and to see what Jesus had done and maybe even been in on what he was doing. So one way ministry moments come about, one way we can be an answer to someone's problem is through direction. Now, I don't know if you've found this, but I've found over the years, and we shouldn't be surprised, that oftentimes when the Lord wants to do something, it's really at a time that's not convenient. You ever notice that? It's like, it, but Lord, it's just really inconvenient right now. In fact, what we tend to do if our schedule gets thrown off is we tend to get frustrated. And if you're like me, you even begin to believe, you know, God, where are you? You know, I mean, if you're really watching over me, how come this is happening? And we get focused on what it is that seems to be stressful or inconvenient at that time. But I've learned that rather than kind of tuning God out and focusing on ourselves, if instead we will lean in or tune into God, then what appears to be an inconvenience at that moment oftentimes becomes a miracle in the making. And you get to be part of that. In fact, I've found it's precisely in those times that you need to stay tuned for instructions. Say, okay, Lord, something's going on here. I'm being held up or, you know, things aren't going smoothly. Lord, are you up to something? In fact, John writes in verse 6, Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Now, we know that Jesus loved to minister, but Jesus is also human in the sense that he got tired. And I don't doubt in the sense that in the flesh, in the natural, as Jesus is sitting there, I mean, think about it. He's been walking with the disciples for hours. They've gone on to get food, and he's probably thinking, oh, peace, quiet. I'm just going to sit here for a while, catch my breath, maybe draw you know, some water, whatever the case may be, feel the breeze, just enjoy some time with the Father. And then this woman comes along, this, this need comes along. And of course, Jesus didn't begrudge that, but you can kind of see how there's times when you and I, you know, we, we kind of have time to ourselves or whatever, and we can just feel like what is happening is inconvenient. It's not necessarily what we had planned. And yet if we stay in tune to what God is doing, we can be amazed by how the Lord actually uses that moment for ministry. This past week's been a little hectic. Um, I had a dear friend pass away in Nova Scotia, and, and, uh, and so I felt a reading to be there with the family. So I went uh, down for two days, drove well, five hours down, and spent time with the family the next day again, and, and driving five hours back. Got, got back Thursday night, and so I had a lot of catching up to do. Uh, I was working on Friday, and I knew that I was going to have to be in the office on Saturday as well. So um, I was working uh, uh, Friday morning, and then at lunchtime, I just had to get a couple errands, run a couple things done. And so, so I just jumped in the car and hit Mountain Road and go down the hill, and it's kind of flying down the hill. What do I see? This nice white car just parked at the bottom of the hill. 
And so I do the first thing that we all do. I, I, I looked at my speedometer and realized, man, I'm way over. Then I did the second thing we all do. I prayed. I prayed. And then after I prayed, thank the Lord, the lights came on. Well, I'm going down Mountain Road, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the last thing I want to do is stop on Mountain Road. So thankfully, my street, Bowman, is right there. So I just go a little bit further. I pull up Bowman, just a little bit out of sight, and I pull over. And, of course, this wonderful officer comes up behind me, and he's so nice. Uh, I'm probably thinking I wouldn't believe him. He actually shows me the radar gun to show how fast I was going. And uh, now, now, let me be honest with you. I have not gotten a speeding ticket for at least 25 years. I mean, the last time I've got a speeding ticket was back in Newfoundland. But back then, I didn't have a customized license plate that says Rev on the back either. <laughs> so it's bad enough that the officer's pulling you over. But the whole time you're thinking, oh, my dear, who's going to see me? And, uh, and I'm on my street, which probably wasn't a real great move. It's probably better than the main drag. But I'm on my street, so neighbors are coming back and forth. And they do what we all do, right? You drive by and you slow down just to see who's driving. And, and I'm sure there are lots of people doing that. But in uh, any case, uh, I was polite with the police officer, of course, and, and he was in his car for five or six minutes. I'm just kind of sitting there avoiding contact, anybody driving by, and, and uh, getting my stuff out for him. So, so uh, we had this polite conversation. And at the end of it, he's explaining the ticket. And expl- By the way, he gave me the least amount, which I'm thankful for, but if that's the least, I, I pity anybody to get some max. Um, so he gave me the least amount, I guess because I was polite, maybe he looked at my record and saw I probably didn't have one for, you know, a couple of decades. And so he gives me the ticket and he explains it, the options of pain, and he says, sir, do you have any questions? And very simply, I just said, well, actually, officer, I do. I said, how have you been doing? How have you been doing with all that's going on? And he began to tear up. And the first thing he did, I guess I caught him off guard because he just looked away and said, man, I just gave you a ticket. <laughs> I said, it's okay. I deserve it. I broke the law. You're doing your job. And again, for the next five minutes, we just had a conversation there. And, and uh, we just, you know, talked about what's going on and, and just told them how, how we appreciate them and try to encourage them. We know it's a difficult time and enforcing mandates and all that's going on in the media, a lot of that foolishness. And so, so he was just so encouraged. And I don't know, you know, maybe I was a, a gift of God for him at that moment. I hope I was. And yet afterwards, I couldn't help but feel like I failed. I mean, you know, the Lord wasn't dumping on me. It was nothing like that. But I just kind of thought, Lord, I, I probably missed all that you wanted to do. And I'm glad I had a chance to encourage him. We had a conversation. I think he, he left a firm. But, but I, I just thought, it came to my mind afterward just two things. Number one, I thought, you know, that was five or six minutes that I had there. Well, he's writing up the ticket. I'm so preoccupied with myself. What I should have done is just bowed my heart and said, Lord, do you have a word for this man? Is there just something that you would speak to him? Is there something specific that you want to pour into his life? And I realized I missed that opportunity because I was kind of preoccupied with myself. And when I read this story, I see that Jesus actually had a word of knowledge for this woman that came to the well. And what happened, it eventually led to her salvation and the salvation of an entire community. And the second thing that came to my mind is that even though we did have a a good conversation and and again he was moved and encouraged, and I really appreciate that, I realized after the fact that I I didn't pray for him. I mean, I've been praying for him since, but but I didn't offer to pray for him. And I really felt disappointed, and I leave that with the Lord, and I pray that I'll see him again under different circumstances, but... uh, you know, I hope that I run into him again sometimes, and I hope that at least maybe I deposited something in his heart. 
that maybe God is able to use somebody else to actually encourage them more, who knows, even maybe bringing them to the Lord. Now, having said all of that, I think it's important for us to understand that in those times that we want to be used by God, we make ourselves available to the Lord. It's important to understand that, that we tend to think sometimes that we've blown our chance that God has given us if we don't actually lead the person to the Lord. You ever feel that way? Like you just feel this pressure. You have this moment, uh, you know, I've got to close the sale or I've got to whatever. You know, uh, something incredible has to happen. But I want to encourage you. Never forget that the highest level of expression that God has through you and me is simply that we love people. And if that person leaves that conversation knowing they're loved by you, knowing they're loved by God, I want to encourage you to know you fulfilled your assignment. And we can learn and we can come away sometimes and feel like we missed it. But even in those times, the Lord is teaching us. But I want to encourage you, no matter what you minister to anyone, whether you're ministering, you know, hope or truth or healing, if things don't turn out the way you thought, the most important thing you can do is just give them a taste of God's love for them. And then just trust that God will continue to work in their lives. Now, you can read the rest of the story, and I'm wrapping up here. Uh, you can read the rest for yourself. But essentially what happens is this woman becomes convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Savior, and she runs back to her village to tell everybody what it was that Jesus said to her and what he had done for her. Now, the disciples, John says, returned by this time, and they have already eaten, so they're trying to convince Jesus to eat something as well. And Jesus says something interesting in verse 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. Now, of course, Jesus enjoyed eating normal food like we do. But what he was saying is this. Listen, guys, what sustains me, what really satisfies me, is actually taking in what God is doing. It's actually being aware of what God is doing around me. We all understand that, right? I mean, sometimes you're doing ministry or you're helping someone in some way, whatever the Holy Spirit's using you, and there's just this sense of fulfillment. There's a sense of, of satisfaction. That oftentimes people who don't know the Lord or who know the Lord but don't do much, maybe sometimes don't experience. And that's what Jesus is saying to them. I'm sustained by that. You know, one of the questions I think we have to ask ourselves is that when we're tempted to drift away, you see, one of the things the enemy does is it's not necessarily even getting us involved in bad things. It's just time-wasting pursuits. Or even goals that might be good for a while, but they become idols to us. We become obsessed with those things. And we need to examine our lives and our hearts sometimes and say, Lord, what am I giving myself to as I open my day, as I look at my week? What am I filling my time with? And do these things sustain me? Because if these things don't sustain me, then I need to steer away from them because they're going to keep me from doing what it is God wants to send me into the day to do. And it's not that there aren't ordinary things that we all need to do, work, family, responsibility, whatever the case may be. But like Jesus shows, as we're going from point A to point B, as we're moving through our day, we can move along with the Lord. We can be conscious of the fact that there are people around us that he wants to drop a word in our heart for them. Well, Jesus said to the disciples in verse 35, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, 
so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Now, if you read the story, you know this happened in the context that after she had gone to the town nearby and told everybody, they all came out to hear Jesus. So Jesus is there at the well. He's with his disciples. And as he says this, crowds of people are coming from that community, probably wearing the traditional garb, the white linen, the light linen, you know, for the hot days. And they're coming, and Jesus points to them and says, don't say there's still four months. Don't say one day. Look. There are people already ready for the harvest. There are hungry hearts already all around you. You just have to cooperate with the Lord of the harvest. And if you do, then you as a sower and a reaper, you will, or as a reaper rather, you will begin to share in the joy of what God is doing. You see, you can choose to focus on whatever it is you have to go, whatever it is you need to get done. And you can wonder why you don't experience this abundant life Jesus promises. Why there's not this sense of satisfaction in your faith. But friends, there are people in our congregation who have decided to be part of what God is doing now. And they have lots of stories to tell. Lots of stories. You see, the Lord's at work all around us. And we simply have a choice whether or not we'll be dialed in. Whether or not we'll move through our day and say, Lord, here are the things that I know I've got to do, the responsibilities I have, but Lord, I just pray as I'm moving through this day from point A to point B, Lord, I just want to go along with what you're doing as well. Help me to be sensitive, Lord, to what you're prompting in my heart. And if you'll do that, you'll have a whole bunch of stories of what God is doing. I have somebody in the second service coming to share some of those things as they've begun to take on that mindset as well. Heidi Baker once wrote these words. She said, it's not about standing up and being an eloquent speaker. It's about being so close to the heart of God that you know what he's thinking. And then you're not afraid to go anywhere and to say anything. That's what it's about. One day Peter and John went to the temple. We read of it in Acts chapter 3. They went there to pray. And they met a crippled man along the side of the road who'd been placed there every day by his friends just to beg for some change, just to get by. He couldn't work, so he had to depend on the mercy, compassion of others. And so as they go by, he calls out and gets Peter's attention. He's asking for some change. And Peter says in verse 6, he says, look at me. I don't have any money for you. And I believe he honestly felt that way. I honestly did not have any money. I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. I just so appreciate Peter's, not just his faith, but his understanding of who he is. Peter looked at the man and said, man, I just, you know, don't have anything. But I know what I do have. I know what I possess. I know who I am. Peter understood for this man, hey, I'm a gift of God for you. Hey, I'm an answer to your situation. I'm a solution to what your real need is. And friends, in the same way, you and I need to remember who we are. We need to remember what it is that we carry with us. Because if people around us are going to be set free, if people are going to receive hope, if that bondage of anxiety and fear and depression is going to be broken, if bodies are going to be healed, if people are going to experience the presence of God, it is going to happen through us. 
And it happens through us as we simply choose to be sensitive to what it is God wants to give us to minister in that moment. I believe it's absolutely impossible to be a follower of Jesus and to not be concerned about people who are far from Jesus. Let me say that again. It is impossible to be a true follower of Jesus and not be concerned about people who are far from Jesus. As the video asked the question this morning, could this actually be the church's finest hour? Could this actually be the hour where the church becomes who Jesus has called the church to be? I, I believe one of the reasons for the shaking in our world, part of that the Lord is using to shake His church. The Lord is using that to break off those things that distract us, those things that actually render us more impotent to actually get back to kingdom business, to understanding where real life, where real joy is. And that might mean you're handing out toilet paper. It might mean that you're praying for the sick. But friends, I believe this morning that a move of God is not just something we pray for. A move of God is something that we become. We become that move of God. Isn't it amazing that every single Sunday, there are probably thousands of Christians, thousands of God's people that return back into every sector of our society. And if we could only remind ourselves, whatever season we find ourselves in, friends, whatever our culture, whatever we're going through, our culture is going through. You know the difference? You know the difference. We have Jesus. Not a belief system. We have a person. We have a God who leads us, provides for us. He said, don't worry about these things. Commit them to me. Walk with me. Let me provide you those things. Listen, I've got work to do for you. I've got real joy, real food, real purpose in life. But you need to understand who you are. You are a gift of God to people in your workplace that you come in contact with. You are an answer for them. You are a solution for them. Amen? We enjoy coming together, encourage one another as we have church. But the real impact of church is felt when we leave this place. And I want to encourage us this morning, my friends. I so love what Pastor Spencer shared last week, just that, that time that we're in that we just need to Stand up and fight. You need to kind of get off the couch, so to speak, or out of our bed and recognize not only the urgency of the hour we're in, but the opportunity of the hour we are in. I don't know if I've ever met so many people who are just open to hear about the Lord, to receive prayer, to receive a word from the Lord, to find some kind of hope, something beyond what, what surrounds them. And friends, we carry that hope. That's why Paul said, may the God of hope fill who? You. Fill you, the church, with joy and peace. How? In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound with hope. And I pray this morning that something will just go on in our heart. As Paul said, that you will believe, that you will grasp, that you will understand that the God of all hope fills you. And you are a gift of God to those around you this morning. Would you bow your hearts with me? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, 
I want to encourage you before you leave that you would understand that God the Father gave Jesus to you as a precious gift to give you that hope, that purpose, to cleanse you from your sin, to bring you into a relationship with God where he is the anchor of your life. We worship God this morning for who he is. He is that rock that cannot be moved. He is that anchor. And he says, I want you to know that stability in your life so that you can get on living for what I've created you for and make an impact to lives around you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, at the end of the service, I invite you just to take a moment. And I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray with you before you go. I'm going to stand down here this morning. love to pray with you. But as a believer, my friend, don't let these just be words. Don't let them just fall to the ground and, and miss what we're saying this morning. Would you just open your heart as I close in prayer and say, Lord, please open my eyes afresh to who I am in you. Lord, help me to move into this week, not just blowing through my week, but to recognize somebody needs me this week. You want to touch somebody through me this week. I thank you in the midst of what I'm going through. I thank you that I'm not alone, but there are so many who feel alone this morning who need Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who you sent to live in us and to refresh us and empower us to give us peace and strength and confidence. Lord, may we be reminded this morning of what it really means to know you and to be in union with you. And Lord, I pray this week, may your word remain with us. And as we move through our day and through the week, may we recall, Lord, the gift that we are to somebody. Let our heart and eyes be open, Lord, that, Lord, you may truly bring change through us to those around us. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this treasure that we carry. And I thank you that you manifest your presence through us in so many ways. In your precious name, Lord, move through us this week, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at GT Moncton. Or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.